This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this early week edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Chicago White Sox, dropping that series two games to one. They are currently nine games back from the division-leading Tampa Bay Rays. They are currently tied with the surging Toronto Blue Jays for basically the one spot in the wild card. So they are essentially the two wild card teams right now, even though they're tied. Yankees are half a game back. If they drop their game to the Mets, like it looks like they're about to, Francisco Lindor just hit a home run. So if the Yankees go on to lose that game, they will be a full game back out of the wild card. It is a tight race, an absolute dogfight. Hopefully the Red Sox can hang on. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they're getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, Let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Lewiston, Maine. You can harass me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. That is the more fun account between the two. Jason Kelly not with us tonight. Has family obligations. Charlie Smith joining us from Providence, Rhode Island. Two of us going to hold down the fort. Charlie, how you doing? Doing well, man. You know, this is a, a little bit of a fun series. I'm just happy that it's over. I'm happy we were able to grab one out of three. <sighs> we needed two, though. I mean, I know we did. We I know we two. did. I, I'm convinced of one thing at this point. I'm dead set, 100% convinced that the wild ga- card game will take place in the city of Toronto. I'm sure of that. They're they're a team not to be trifled with right now. They're they're playing darn good baseball right now, and they have arguably the best player in the American League swatting balls outside the park at will. It's it's just unreal what he's doing. He's just mashing. He might hit fifty. That lineup is just explosive. Yeah, the pitching has improved immensely, and they're going to bring it. Uh, That's the worst-case scenario. They murdered us the last two or three series we faced them. Uh, I want want no part of Toronto, but uh, there's no way around it at this point, I don't think. 
Another I'm thing. I'm inclined to agree. Another thing too. I'm loving Mike Monaco. With every game he he broadcasts, he's bringing more and more intensity to the broadcast, which I like. I can't stand Dave O'Brien. I don't know how realistic it could be that a guy like Monaco can come in, but Dave O'Brien is never going to win over at least 60% of this fan base. They're never going to like him. He would, Yeah. I don't know what type of a hand he had in getting Orsillo out of here or how much influence he had, but I hope Mike Monaco uh, has the attention of Nesson, let's put it that way. I'll say this much. As far as Dave O'Brien's concerned, in the last two series, I think the only line that stands out was when Hunter Renfro jacked one out to left field over the monster, and he said, you want your magic? There's your magic, baby. Outside of that line, I can't remember hearing him say anything memorable, epic, on point, fun. Admittedly, uh, that was kind of a a good uh, moment that he helped capture. Yeah, and then, of course, Renfro had that laser beam throw to get out, uh, let's see. Oh, I forget his name already. Wendell, I think. Yes, Joey Wendell at third base, yeah. who should never have tried to leg out that triple, should have settled for the double. Maybe we lose that game if he does, but... Yep. But, yeah, so... The margin we had in the wild card has been trimmed just absolutely attention trimmed. <laughs> attention listeners across the galaxy all the way from australia to houston do we have a pew problem if so our friends at manscaped have cleared you for takeoff with their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0 kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0 the orbits in your pants will feel like you're in zero gravity when you use the best tools for the job from the leaders in male grooming join the two million men worldwide who trust manscaped and get your rocket ready for takeoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE at 20. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker. It's like having a little astronaut chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FANSIDE at 20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code FANSIDE at 20 at manscaped.com. For a clean trinity and beyond, your space balls. Well, thank you. Red Sox on Friday dropped that game 4-3. to three. Tanner Houck got the start. Not as stellar as he was previously. We might get into him shortly. Saturday, Red Sox win that one. It was kind of an ugly win. But if a win's a win, that's where we got it. 9-8, Connor Siebold making his debut, getting into him. A little bit more extensively as we go. Then today, series finale. Not much offense to be had by either team. Reds, uh, excuse me. Yeah, Red Sox dropped that one with Garrett Whitlock on the mound. Lori Garcia hit a no doubt walk off. Red Sox lose that series, uh, basically uh, two to one. So. Let's get into studs and duds. A series loss means we start on the duds side. Charlie, who do you have? You're on mute, buddy. 
Dude, it's old age, man. I'm telling you, I forget. Uh, so there was a lot of excitement surrounding um, this individual. And I think it was just because things were going great. Then they were going insanely good. And then everything came crashing down. And so there's a little bit of excitement surrounding some of your rookie prospects. They brought up uh, all sorts of guys this year. And most recently, they brought up Connor Siebold. And a lot of people thought, okay, this is going to be, you know, this is going to be it. This is going to be one of the future guys. You're bringing him up in an incredibly difficult situation against arguably the best team in the American League in a, a stressful matchup. It's kind of hard to expect him to do very, very well. And the reason why he's my dud in this one isn't because he allowed two runs on three hits. He didn't even get a strikeout, and, and some people don't care about that. He registered a little over 60% for strikes. It was that twice in his game, people are going to say, oh, but he got the double play ball. He got saved twice because of the double play ball. Twice. His fastball was topping out at 90, 91. In the majors, that's not going to cut it. Lefties were absolutely destroying him. Nailed the home run. Pair of walks. Against righties, that's fine. But you can't have that much of a difference between uh, lefties and righties. It can't be that much of a, a variation where you can't do anything against lefties, but you dominate against right, righties. Not in the majors. You can't. You can't live on that. And against a team like the Chicago White Sox? No, forget it. How, what are they going to do when they face uh, other opponents uh, in the National League, imagine facing, you know, the Washington Nationals. Juan Soto's a lefty. He's going to mash against Connor Siebel. Bryce Harper, if, you know, the Phillies come into town, he's going to destroy him. So it's just one of those things where, for me, that was my dud. I just, I wasn't, imp- I wasn't impressed um, with everything going on. A lot of those, a lot of those situations, two in particular because of the double play ball, could have gotten severely out of hand had he not had the double play ball. No strikeouts as well. It wasn't the the outing we thought. I mean, Tanner Houck didn't look great this series, and he's had his ups and downs this year. But even with the, the ups and downs, he's light years ahead of guys like Seabold right now who just doesn't look ready to compete you know at the majors and probably could use a lot more time to develop had some high strikeout games with Pawtucket eight nine strikeouts uh, during various starts getting swings and misses but that just didn't translate up here against albeit a potent lineup we threw him into the shark tank he didn't get a cupcake Orioles start either but but still if Seabold is going to contribute at any point going forward, it, it probably has to be out of the bullpen, most likely for a one-inning appearance. I would say that's that's all he's got for 2021. He's, I mean, the other thing, too, about Seabold is it doesn't matter who he faces next. He's not going to do worse than this. I don't think he'll do worse. I think he'll do better. Um, and I know that I'm going to catch flack for this from a couple of listeners. I I've been corresponding with quite a few people the last couple of weeks, but you can't expect people like Tanner Houck and Connor Siebel to all of a sudden start lighting it up and be the replacements for, you know, Chris Sale, who's going to be out for 10 days or uh, eight more days. I forget how many more games he's got to be out for because of the COVID. 
um, for Pavetta, who wasn't doing that great, who had a great start in this series. You know, um, it, it's it's unfair to expect that from your rookies. You need to have a little bit more um, coming from your your leaders on the team, and you can't expect um, you can't expect these guys. Pavetta to come out there, Erod to come out there and and throw seven innings of lights out baseball, but at the same time you also can't expect your rookies to be doing what the aces on your staff and the veterans on your staff are supposed to be able to do on a regular basis. Right, and j- just so everyone's aware, Alex Cora has basically said Siebold will make his next start. He was optioned anyway to make room for Pavetta, so. He'll make his next start in Worcester. I have no idea how many games are left because they're they started a month late. So I'm guessing they're going to go most of September. I keep meaning to check on that, but um, so he's just going to hang out down in in Pawtucket for now or Pawtucket Worcester. And another thing that kind of I don't know if it's a, a concern, but his average fastball velocity, only 90.5 miles an hour, not going to get it done. I mean, you've seen Davey Garcia with the Yankees, who has no velo, show up and just get lit up. And as far as I'm concerned, is a busted prospect. So, um, you know, Andrew's the prospect guru, and he can break down a, a lot of this stuff better than anyone. So we'll... We'll get more thoughts on Seabold coming through, but, uh, uh, you know, in the coming up, you know, in the, in the coming episodes. So, um, so anyway, let's, uh, move on. My dud for the series will be Raphael Devers. Devers was one for 10 and there, there was a couple of worse guys, but, and we'll, we'll get into them in the dishonorable mentions, but, Let's see, Dever struck out a total of six times in his 10 at-bats. So strikeouts were, were up this series. Walks, well, he he did uh, he did get on base via the walk three times. But, but here's what I'm getting annoyed with is the constant hissy fits we're seeing out of him in the batter's box, whether he's, he's jawing at the umpire a little bit or if he's simply mad at himself, you know, at you know, for for striking out or for missing a pitch that he otherwise would have hit, or the the times where he simply pops one up to the the right side of the infield, and you're seeing him slam his bat into the ground and starting to get a little bit tired of it, and the the previous Raphael Devers that we're all used to in, in seasons past 2020, 2019 is this goofable, lovable guy in the, in the batter's box with the, with the awkward facial expressions and, and whatnot. And it's different now. He's just, it's nothing but hissy fits. And I don't want to see that. I just want to see him focus on, on having better at bats and, and that's it. He's um, if it almost feels like he's trying to press, like the batting average is better. Uh, it feels like this month in relation to last month, but the strikeout numbers are incredible. I mean, last month he struck out 15 times in 108 at bats. That's like one out of every seven. He's got 17 strikeouts in, in 40 at bats. It's almost half. 
Right. He struck out more in half the month, not even halfway through the month, and than all of August. It's it, he's just trying to do too much. He needs to take take a step back, stop overthinking it, play your game because. When you get in your head like, oh man, I got I got to make up for that strikeout. Oh, now I got to make up for those two strikeouts. I got to have a home run. And you don't do it. You're adding so much extra pressure to yourself. You're still a kid. Have fun. Play the game. Worry about the next pitch. Don't worry about last at-bat or the last pitch. The last pitch is now the past and doesn't matter anymore. Your last at-bat is garbage. No one cares about that. Whether it be a home run or a strikeout, you need to focus about the next pitch that is coming your way. And that's the thing. I think in time, he's going to realize, all right, you know what? I sucked that last at-bat. I've been sucking all game. I just got to focus and, and try to hone in. Spend an extra 30 minutes in the cage. Try to figure out what you're doing wrong. Make the adjustments that you need to make because you can't be striking out 50% of the time. You've, you've turned into the you know hard-hitting Bobby Dahlbeck from the beginning of the year where Dahlbeck was striking out half the time. is awful. Now Bobby Dahlbeck and him have almost switched places. It's <laughs> eerie. You Crazy. know, it's very odd. Yeah. I slowly I'm starting to realize I'm I'm just going to have to start saying nice things about Bobby Dahlbeck, but but just to wrap up the hissy fist thing, we've put a lot on Cora and I don't think Cora has really shined this year. Uh, I'm not on Twitter putting up fire Cora hashtags, but but Aside from him reining in Devers, where's Martinez with that being the leader, trying to rein him in? Where's Bogarts? Where, where's all these guys just trying to to help him? I mean, Devers has been in the league since since 2017. At some point, he's a veteran, isn't he? At what point does he become a veteran? I mean, I think when he stops looking like an 18 year old, 16 year old kid, like he still looks like a child. Um, but you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. When when are your leaders going to start leading? When does Raphael Devers take off the, oh, yeah, I'm going to continue following hat and put on the I'm a leader hat? Because I even though he's showing leader numbers, it, does, it doesn't feel like it. It was – it's like imagine Ken Griffey Jr. in the late 90s when he was mashing 50 home runs. But like, yeah, I'm not the leader of the team. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm here. He's the kid. Like, the leaders of the team is, is, I'm just the kid. You know, you got Randy Johnson. He's the leader. I'm just, I just hit home runs. I just mash. No big deal. Like, imagine be, having like that mentality or thinking you're that. He, he is trying to, it's almost like you're, you're trying to press, you're trying to cr- embody this, like this person, this aura that you're just not there yet. Or if you think you're there, you need to put the hat on and own it and own it. Because when you're on, you're on. When you're not, you're not showing veteran leadership. Like you mentioned, the the poor attitude, the just kind of getting frustrated, that type of stuff. If you've been in the league five years, there are people that have been in the league one or two on your team. They're like, oh, man, well, he's he's a hard-hitting guy. He's one of the leaders on this team. Man, it's, it's okay to show your emotion. And coach doesn't say anything. That's not good. That's not good at all. Because when the team's doing well, no one's saying. When the team does poorly, people are going to start talking. You got that. You got the uh, the about me guys. Xander Bogarts on the team. The oh, I, I feel like I could get more. Honestly, as soon as that happened, I feel like everything just started crashing down. Because Xander was looked at as the leader of this team above JD Martinez, 
above Chris Sale, above um, Nate Valdi, above Devers, above everybody. It was Xander Bogarts' team. As soon as Mookie left, the torch got past Xander. As soon as Xander opened his mouth, there was no one to hand the torch off to. And it just, it, it, it feels like everybody's trying to drive a car in a blizzard in pitch darkness with no lights on. I don't know who the leader is right now. I don't know. Well, if you go by just the past week or so, it sounds like it's Chris Sale now based on chorus comments, but, but I just, I don't want it to be a constant thing. And, and, until it stops being a constant thing, that just tells me there's no intervention with him. So hopefully it happens. Getting into some other guys, Kyle Schwarber in the cooler as of late was 0 for 11 this series. Uh, only uh, three strikeouts though, so not quite as ugly as Devers. Hunter Renfro, 1 for 11. Not really making great contact, not walking a ton either. So hopefully these two, I mean, they're primarily at the top of the lineup now. So as they go, the Red Sox goes. So hopefully they they get it. Not, I'm sure they will, but man, the, the clock's ticking. And uh, we got a tough series against Seattle here coming up. Let's see. That is about it. Polacki was 0 for 3. Not going to get on him. So any any thoughts on the lineup before I get into the pitching? Uh, no, you were asking a question earlier about how many more games are left in, um, in Worcester. And I believe the answer to that question was 17. Wow. That's still um, a lot. I'm, I'm double check. Actually, excuse me. 6 and 5 is 11 plus 2 is 13. I can't math right now. <laughs> okay. So 13... Uh, and then that's before any games that are in October, but I don't, I don't know if they play any games in October. So I think it's just the the 13, they got six against Syracuse, five against Rochester. And then, um, looks like just a two game series against the Lehigh Valley. Is it the iron pigs or something? I forget there. I think it's the, the Lehigh Valley <laughs> two game set there. Yeah. Yeah, that's Andrew's department. But, yeah, so it sounds like we were talking about Seabold with that. So he's got probably at least two more starts in Worcester coming, I would imagine. Okay, so some of the pitching, I mean, Tanner Houck is is grinding at best. Only went uh, three and two-thirds innings, gave up three hits, walked three, so... The walks continue to be an issue and uh, gave up three earned runs, only struck out one. So he came off a stellar five-inning start and followed it up with uh, kind of a rough one. Again, this is a very potent offense. They got Eloy Jimenez back. Luis Robert has been back. So Abreu has, has been having not quite an MVP year, but uh, a very solid year for being 34, 35 years old. So, I mean, we I, I guess we have no choice but to throw him out there every fifth day regardless and just hope he figures it out. Confirmed, by the way, Terry, 16 games left for Worcester. <laughs> okay, we're up to 16. Final answer. 16. Final answer, 16. Okay. 
And the, the Yankees lost. Uh, that's official. Mets win that one. So Yankees will be a full game back uh, from the Red Sox and Blue Jays in the wild card. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we, we won't hammer on Hauk, but you'd love to see him turn it around. Uh, and then finally, I guess today, Garrett Whitlock, are we concerned that he essentially, you know, gave up no. the game-winning run? It's Chicago. Yeah. It, it does seem like he's got a little bit of fine-tuning uh, to to do, though. I mean, he's he, he's been hit or miss lately, and he's been prone to the long ball. So hopefully, hopefully he gets it uh, squared away. All right, let's uh, switch over to the studs side. Basically, uh, only one win to go off of, but who's your stud for the series? Uh, This is going to come as a shock to most because I haven't really been uh, in this man's circle of trust, uh, (laughs) and he hasn't been in mine all season either. Uh, That's Christian Vasquez. Vasquez did very well in his two games, got on base, did his job. Um Two for three, two for four, games one and two, three singles, a double, a uh, couple of RBIs, um, or excuse me, he had one RBI, one walk. Uh, I can't complain. So it's a four-hit series for him, which he's done twice in the last month and a half, and that's both against Tampa Bay. The last time they had more than four hits was July 11th, and that was against Philly. So... When your catcher's getting a couple of hits and he's doing his best to get on base, I'm thankful. I'm happy about it. Uh, And I just felt like with everything that happened, there are so many guys that just didn't get it done. Not many players had four hits this week or this in this series. Uh, In fact, you can count them on less than one hand. Outside of him, I don't believe there were any there were any other uh, guys that were gunning and cracking with four hits or more. So that's my guy. He's having a good September. His first month of the year, April, he got off like gangbusters. And there might have been a bench-clearing incident. Uh, we'll have to check on that later with uh, between Lindor and Stanton. And if that was at the end of the game, I'm, <laughs> I'm not sure. But there was. There was. It was a, there was a, some form of like whistling gesture about tipping pitches and whatnot. Lindor actually had three home runs. Did he? Okay. Yeah, his third one was the one that won it all. So I, I don't care. As long as the Yankees lose, I don't care. I'm a Mets fan this this uh, series. And as long as electronics aren't being used, it's legal. So if, Pretty he, much. if the Yankees are tipping, that's on them. Um, but anyway, getting back to Vasquez, he had a great April. Was looking like he could be continuing his, his two-year run into a third year. I mean, we were saying he was a, a top one or two catcher behind real Muto. And then he just gradually slipped. And just now in the month of September, he's getting it back hitting three seventy nine for the month. He leads the Red Sox in the batting average category OPS. He's uh nine seventeen. He also leads the Red Sox in that category in the month of September. He uh, does not lead in OBP, but he has exactly a 400 on-base percentage. So looking good for the month. Had a great series, four for seven, like you said. 
if the Red Sox are going to have some spark in the lineup, hopefully he continues to do what he's doing. And then when Schwarber, Renfro get back on track, maybe we're going to start putting up some some crooked numbers again. But, yeah, good good stud this series for Vasquez. Wasn't really much to go on. In fact, nobody – he had four hits. Next, next most was three. A bunch of guys had three hits, but still – Vasquez had the best series right. at the plate. My stud for the series, I feel pretty good about this because a month ago we never would have thought he would be on the team. I'm talking about Travis Shaw. Hit a three-run homer in the Saturday game, got the party started, and then he finished the party by hitting the walk-off base hit in extra innings. So not not only has he had a good series though, Travis Shaw, he's had some clutch moments in pinch hitting situations late. And if you're gonna I keep saying if you're gonna have a deep run in October, and we're not, but if you're gonna have a deep run in October, you need you need to find your Johnny Gomes. And Right now, it, it kind of does look like uh, Travis Shaw, but um, but you know, there's there's been some others who have had a little bit of magic uh, over the course of the second half. But right now, he he certainly looks like the guy. He's he's playing for his life. He's not going to get a massive contract at this point anyway. He's going to be playing the rest of his career year to year. So whether he's auditioning for the Red Sox to be a bench guy next year, he's he's given it he's given it all that he has and 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 coming through in big moments and maybe he'll end up someplace else next year. But he's a guy I love rooting for. I, I've said before on previous shows, especially recently, I'm a big Brewers guy. I enjoyed watching him have the best year of his career there in 2018. And he's a guy, unless he's wearing pinstripes, he's a guy I'm going to root for. I'd probably it'd be tough if he was a Dodger, though. I'll say that. But but I like Travis Shaw. I can't say anything bad against that. I mean, he's, what, 9 for 33 since joining uh, up with Boston. He's hitting 272. He's had, I think, three home runs and uh, 10 RBIs. And his game's... Uh, the hits that he's getting, they're coming at super clutch moments. He only had six homers in Milwaukee. He said 30 at-bats. He's already got 10 RBI. He's averaging one RBI every three at-bats. I'll take that. Like, I'll take it every time, especially considering you don't play every day, and most of your at-bats, at least when you look at it on paper, they're they're one-offs. You're getting one at-bat a game, maybe two. The games that you come in and you actually play the whole game, if you've had three at-bats or more, You've done your job. You've done major work. So uh, I'm really happy with the signing. I'm cool with it, with him being a stud in this series. Without Travis Shaw, we get swept, and it's not even close. Um, so he he did everything he needed to do. I don't care that he struck out a couple times in, in the series. Three for nine, great work. Stellar pick. And it's going to be fun to watch him over the course of the next uh, remaining uh, three, roughly three weeks or so. All right. So let's see. Anyone else? Xander Bogart's back from COVID. Three for seven. Uh, two for three game. In, well, so all of his hits, 
Actually, I added it wrong. Looks like he was might have been four for seven, which botches my whole. I can't do math either, Charlie. Three for seven. <laughs> That's what I'm showing. So either way, back from COVID, you need Xander Bogarts in that lineup. And yeah, so good, decent series for him because he, he could have went 0 for 20 and I, I wouldn't have been shocked, but he's... He's uh, already seemingly back to being productive again. Bobby Dahlbeck, love him or hate him. Three for 13. Ugh, did have six strikeouts, but homered in game one. So, eh, that, that, that's not as good as I thought it might have been. And um, Alex Verdugo, two for 10. Did drive in the only run today in the... Series finale, but outside of uh, them, not a not a whole lot to write home about. Right. Yep. It's uh, it's going to be a situation where we need the relievers to continue to light up, and we need to find some some unexpected, wonderful production from names that we don't anticipate or expect to dominate until all of your. Stars from the beginning of this year start to refine themselves and start mashing. And these younger kids, like Bobby Dahlbeck, can continue doing what they've been doing because Bobby Dahlbeck's been on tear. Absolutely. I'm just trying to – I didn't write uh, today's pitching lines down. But Ryan Brazier's back. He doesn't – I mean – he he's not his 2020 self, which was arguably his, his best – um, I don't know his best couple of months. Well, he was pretty good in in twenty eighteen, I guess. But he his his short sample size in twenty twenty certainly better than twenty nineteen. Yeah, so he didn't pitch in the finale here, but pitched a total of two innings, only gave up one run, two hits, uh, one walk, and uh, strikeouts. Not quite there yet, but. He's he's a little higher on my trust ladder than some other guys in the bullpen, and if he can lock in and the strikeouts do kind of increase a little bit, he he's a he's a guy I'm gonna go to in in high leverage. Maybe perhaps not the eighth or ninth inning, but early in the game, we're only getting three to five innings out of our starters. So you need a guy like Brazier to come in, even if it's if it's the fifth or sixth inning. So. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see there. And uh, Taylor also had a had a pretty good series. Didn't give up an earned run. Only only uh, got four outs total, but uh, no runs given up, no walks, uh, no hits either. So hopefully he's back. I mean, they're they're primarily utilizing him mostly against lefties, regardless. But he was having a rough time before going on the COVID IL and. Like Xander, he's kind of bounced back pretty well. Right. Yeah, so that will about do it for studs and duds. I can't wait to see that Yankees brawl. The whole audience will have seen it uh, by the time we come on. But let's see. The Red Sox are going to Seattle. For a brief West Coast swing. So I'm pulling up the matchups right now. Oh, crap. So the first one you got Eduardo Rodriguez against Logan Gilbert. 
Um, Erod makes me a little bit nervous. Um, and the reason for that being is we have not seen consistent Erod this year. The only plus side of this entire matchup is that in his only game when he did face Seattle, he actually did decently well. Now, Logan Gilbert has not pitched against the Red Sox this year. Um, he's a more consistent pitcher when he's on it. The whole month of August was just, I don't even know what happened to, to Gilbert. It, it was very un, unlike him. He had one quality start. He allowed a total of 24 earned runs in 23 and two thirds. I mean, he just could not get it done. He hadn't done anything remotely close to being that bad at all this year. Um, I actually, I'm torn because you don't know which E-Rod you're going to get. You could get the normal E-Rod that uh, allows four runs. You can get the stellar E-Rod that, you know, blanks Tampa Bay. Or you get the E-Rod to start after that that gets shelled and doesn't even get out of the fourth inning. So I'm, I'm actually going to go with the, the hot hand right now, and that's Logan Gilbert in this one for game one. Erod's been up and down, and if the pattern holds up, this should be a better start for him. Uh, it's in a pitcher-friendly park, but here's the bad news. Logan Gilbert's last two starts, one on September 1st, the other on September 7th, both against the Houston Astros. He pitched a total of nine and one-thirds innings, only gave up two earned runs total in uh, nine and one-thirds. So he's coming off a couple of good starts, quite frankly, against a better offensive team than what the Red Sox are. So that's a tough start. And even with his on-paper stats, a 5-10 ERA, Red Sox have been struggling against those types of pitchers in the second half. So you need Erod to be on, and you need the Red Sox looking at that wild card race thinking, oh, crap, the Blue Jays are, might run away with it. We better... We better put up some hits and some crooked numbers. You need to start seeing that urgency. We already discussed earlier in the show, we're not seeing the leadership right now in certain aspects. So hopefully, yeah, I'm. you know what? I'm going to agree with you. I'm just going with a loss on that one. Yeah, game two. They're close, but yeah. I, they're close, but, but Gilbert has just... I think he's got a little bit more consistency and won't let uh, the small things get affected. Seattle also is playing for a for a playoff spot. The Red Sox may be, you know, pumping the brakes a little bit, just kind of saying, okay, this may not be the series that we need to to crack it here. Seattle needs that they they doubly win here. If Seattle wins and the Red Sox lose, that's a double win for Seattle. So they're gonna be I think they're gonna be fighting and grinding a little bit more in this series in particular. Absolutely. Nathan Avaldi versus Tyler Anderson, game two. Anderson also pitched in the Houston series, only lasted four and two thirds, and Astros put up four earned runs on him. That was September 8th. And then on the uh, 3rd of September, he went six innings against the lowly Arizona Diamondbacks, who Managed to muster three earned runs against him. So perhaps we're catching Anderson at a pretty good time. He's basically a, a journeyman in MLB. 31 years old. Landed with the Mariners. He's going against Nathan Avaldi, who at face value has had a great 
uh, year. A pretty stellar second half. I think he's got a 3.43 ERA in the second half, which isn't really much off from his first half anyway. Um, but I'm going with I'm going with Evaldi on this one. Yeah, you and I are aligned. I'm going to go Evaldi on this one too. I just think that if if one guy doesn't meet the eye test, you got to go with the guy that uh, definitely does. And Evaldi is the one that has been doing stellar work. Evaldi so far. Tampa Bay, Cleveland, no slouch teams. ERA, just over two. Still doesn't have a win in his last four starts. He's averaged a total of one and a half earned runs over six innings. And he has no wins. That's not a knock at Evaldi. That's a knock at the offense. They're not doing their job. He's been able to lower his ERA consistently each week, each game, doing his job, striking out six, seven guys a game. He went seven, seven, nine, eight. He's allowed three home runs in the last four games. I'm going to Valdi here. Do you think Valdi can finish top ten, like maybe like eighth or ninth in the in the Cy Young? I don't know if he's been that good. What are you looking at my notes for some potential questions coming up or something? What's going on I, over there? I haven't seen anything. Okay, all right. Teaser, <laughs> teaser for the next show. Apparently, uh, Charlie uh, kind of spearheaded, uh, totally legit, or calling the cops. Always an entertaining episode. So potentially some of Aldi talk in that episode. So I'll I'll move off of him. Tanner Houck versus Marco Gonzalez in. Game three, Gonzalez, both of his last two starts were against the Arizona Diamondbacks. The start on September 4th got knocked around five innings, five earned runs. He followed that up with a much better uh, rematch against the Astros on the 10th of September. Six innings, no earned runs. So tough to really get a feel for what the Red Sox might do with him. However, Tanner Houck, uh, again, getting the start in that final game, and it's tough to be too optimistic with him based on the, the kind of roller coaster. Could be a four-inning outing. You're going to the bullpen, and this is a this is a feisty Seattle Mariners team. So, loss for me in that game. I unfortunately have the same. And the reason for that being is I can trust one guy to get past the fourth inning on a consistent base, uh, a base, excuse me. And the other one can, the other one, I don't know. One is going five, six, seven innings on a regular basis. So far, Marco Gonzalez, since the beginning of August, has one start where he hasn't gone at least five plus. He's gone five innings only once. The rest of them, six, nine, six and two-thirds, six, six, seven. He shut out Texas, and it's Texas. They're not great, but you still threw, you still did it. And he's cracked the 100-pitch number three times. Tanner Houck hasn't cracked more than 90, I think, at all this year. He hit 90 twice. And Marco Gonzalez has hit 90, one, two, three, four, five, six out of his last eight. I'm going, I'm going Gonzalez here too. We, unfortunately, I don't feel very good about this series. Unfortunately. Yeah. And the Red Sox, they're just not, they've shown flashes of it. We had a pretty good run 
to to close out August into the earlier part of September. We didn't lose a series for I think it was five consecutive, something like that. So they grinded, but not quite over the hump. And here we have, I think we lost what our second straight series and we're not set up well for Seattle. So they just have to start owning it. They need to rise to the occasion and stop making errors that, that are leading to, to unearned runs and, this would be a good series to make that statement. The Mariners are three games back, so maybe the Red Sox can beat them back a little. And and yeah, do you know who's after the series? Is it Baltimore again, or is it New York? Uh, after Seattle is actually Baltimore, and then it's five against New York teams: two against the Mets, three against the Yankees, followed by three Balti, three Washington. Okay. Even Washington. I mean, if Juan Soto's in a lineup, I'm I'm, I'm a little <laughs> I'm a little nervous. So, um, so yeah, not the not the greatest schedule. I think Toronto has six or seven games against Tampa. We we don't have to look it up, but that that could be helpful if uh, Tampa can do us a solid and and uh, win some. Toronto. We're a little foreshadowing here. Toronto's got seven against Minnesota and three against Baltimore, closing out the season. Oh my! That's bad. pretty nice. So no more against Tampa. Uh, no, no. I'm just oh, okay. Just quickly because I just jotting down some notes from uh, earlier. Uh, those are two teams you definitely want to face. Yeah. Those are those are like spoon fed wins right there. Minnesota, Baltimore, Texas. Those teams are bottom of the barrel. Okay. Well, hopefully the Yankees, uh, we might be catching them at the right time. So they swept us last time and I think thumped us the time before that as well. So we'll get into it. There's uh, still a few more weeks of regular season to get into. We'll have to have a contingency plan for postseason coverage if the Red Sox don't make it. But um, we'll we'll start... uh, Looking at that uh, in the coming days as well. I'm a big fan of uh, postseason baseball, regardless of whether the Red Sox are in it. Though, obviously, my preference is that they are that they are in it. So, all right. We will wrap on that 24 hours after this one. Totally legit. We're calling the cops. My favorite episode of the month. So, everyone have a good start to your work week. Take care.